Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that's collectively a little tired today. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, yeah, we're just all worn out from celebrating such an awesome Bills victory over the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, if you if you tuned in, remember last when week, that was the last time we were all actually worn out was from celebrating a Bills victory. I I, I wonder when that actually last happened, rather than being worn out from the vigors of life or rigors of life. It, it might have been 2019 when we physically went to the Steelers game in Pittsburgh, and we were all kind of tired from a long day's drive and drinking and watching in person. Um, yeah, again, right. would like to reiterate the people of Pittsburgh were were very accommodating overall, and uh, yeah, and they they sure. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, it was a good trip. We had fun. It was a great trip. It was, not a, it was not a hostile road environment at all. I mean, it was it was a good environment, but it wasn't mean. Or, uh, yes, we, there was some light ribbing. There was like, you know, they were they were being fans of their team, but then they had to uh, bite it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not talking to them. My daughter is excited dude, that the Buffalo Bills beat the Steelers 38 to three. Yeah, yeah. You're going to go over here because. Uh, if you listened last week, what I was going to say was that Scott told you exactly what was going to happen. It was going to be a beatdown and not even close. Uh, and with that, lap, with that, and with that, yeah. fine. Why don't you take a victory lap while I try and silence one of my children in a non-threatening sounding way? Excuse me. Yes, I will. I will talk about this game because yes, I correctly predicted that the Steelers would do nothing, and they did nothing. I mean, I was. If you're a Steelers fan, like you kind of have to be pleased with Kenny Pickett's performance on some level because he didn't look like he didn't belong on the field. It just looked like they didn't have anyone else who belonged on the field on some level. Like their wide receivers actually impressed me. I forgot that Deontay Johnson was on that team. They have a little bit of talent out there as well. It's just, you know, Pickett's running for his life and, 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 you know, they can't, you know, Najee Harris doesn't look like he, he knows what to do with the football, which is not good for them. Their defense, obviously, you know, losing Watt is one thing, but then you lose everybody else, all the other corners that they were losing as well. Um, Tremaine Evans Brothers, Terrell being out. Um, it, it was it was a mismatch, and the Bills the Bills stomped on them. I think uh, I will admit that I was a little concerned, um, and and this the group thread would would show that. Um, I, I, I admit I, I said this smells a bit like Duval in the sense of. Reminded me of a bit of the Jacksonville game that Allen looked a little off early on, wasn't quite connecting. You know, Pickett was still getting, you know, converting some third downs and they were staying on the field um, because I think I, I maybe I just lost the nerve, whatever. I, I you know, I'll bear my soul. I, maybe I just was worried that this was a track game where they were looking forward to the Chiefs or it was something else. Um, but obviously, you know, one long Gabe Davis 68 yard touchdown changes that pretty quickly. Um, and then it was pretty much off to the races. The Steelers just, um, you know, their again, their theory of victory was keep it close and maybe get lucky in the fourth quarter. Once the Bills go up 11 points in that game, it almost felt like it. it I don't think it was quite over, but it was pretty close to that. Um, so I feel like it's it it was a it was a it was a bit of um, a small bit of metal shown, but ultimately something a, a game that the Bills needed to win handily and did. Um, they got through it with no major injuries that I'm tracking. So in that sense, uh, pretty good. Um, but I will throw it over to Paul. If he has yeah, this was, I bow to Scott on this one. I thought the Steelers defense was going to be fairly competitive in this one, at least 
pose some challenges for the Bills offense despite their injuries. Uh, that that could not have been more wrong. I I didn't think uh, looking at it. Pickett, I thought he did fine against a top-ranked defense. He had, I was gonna say, he had 300. He had 300 some odd yards, and I was gonna say a lot of that didn't come during garbage time. But of course, so much of that game was garbage time. Scott just pointed out that maybe, maybe a lot of it was actually garbage time, depending on your definition. But the Bills were just, I guess, was as as dominant a game as you get. Scott had said, you know, uh, he asserted Pittsburgh is a bad team. The Bills were going to make them look like a should make them look like a bad team. The, the Bills were better in every aspect, and lo and behold, that's what happened here. I think the Steelers will well, – this isn't a Steelers pod, so I won't focus on them. I think they'll still have a chance to turn things around once they get healthy and Pickett gets experience, but they were really overmatched today. You look at everything Allen did, having, what was it, 324 or 348, something like that in at, at halftime. 400 and – oh, at halftime. I was going to say 424 yeah. total. Yeah, Four ended up way beyond that. Yeah, yeah, for for in three quarters and two snaps in the fourth quarter, he accomplished that. So this was just I don't want to even talk too much about the game because it was just a, it was a beatdown. We've seen the Bills once a year. They end up on the, the business end of these in, in, in the good years. They used to end on the business end of these all the time. Um, you know, and they're they put these these they put the smack down on teams uh, a lot of times that are just not at their level. They did that. They took a. A steer, they really picked on Levi Walsh. Boy, I said to the guys during the game that Leslie Frazier must have a really great scheme that the Bills went after Walsh thinking this is a subpar cornerback and knowing what they had in him. Uh, good luck to Levi. I know he's one of the concussed uh, at the end of the game. So, yeah, just great offensive performance. Very good defensive performance. I don't want to overstate. They did give up some yards and they were not against a very good offense, but they gave up uh, three points on the first drive and then shut them down the rest of the way. So, yeah. yeah I think that, that needs point. to be, I think that needs to be uh, stated because I think that, you know, you, you're going to end up giving yards because you need, Oh goodness gracious. You know. Okay. Yes. We need a bib. And while we need a bib, we're going to talk about the fact I'm going to talk about the Steelers <laughs> during bib talk here. Um, you know, we're going to get to into all the ins and outs of my family and what's preventing me from watching some of the chiefs game later. So for <laughs> now, what I want to say is I want to hit I want to beat up the Steelers for a minute. I did think Kenny Pickett played very well for for a guy thrown into like his first game. I was sort of OK with his his um, performance, you know, given that the, he has absolutely nothing to work with. I think what I want to hit, though, is m- this Mike Tomlin thing, um, because that man was down 24 points going and, and tried to kick a field goal and. And missed and deserved to miss. And then he missed another field goal later, uh, which means after they were down by more than 24 points. And to me, that's just inexcusable. There's there's no world in which that doesn't send the message that the whole day is over. Um, That's at halftime. okay? like that's not even halftime. He's going for this like, you know, field goal to head into the locker room kind of baloney. And it's just sort of. You know, I understand he probably does a lot of things well and a lot of things right. And I also understand that there's no talent. But to me, like, that's just I think I had just I my thought at the time was like one of these small college programs that's gone into Ohio State and they're going to get their payday. But they're going to kick this field goal because they have this like 
consecutive games not shut out streak that sort of is used to demonstrate to the boosters that like, you know, hey, we got a good program. We don't get shut out. You know, coaches really got covered. And, and to be kicking field goals like down down 24 points is just it's not even caveman. It's just like, OK, if you're going to do that, go ahead and pull your starters and then we'll pull ours and no one will get hurt. Right. We'll we'll you want to concede the game and run it out. Fine. But don't do this. This baloney with that. Um, I mean, but to, to, to Paul's point about, you know, them giving up chunks of yards, I think at some point during the game, it probably works to their advantage to do that a little. You know, they they weren't letting scores come in. They felt like they they sort of controlled the game from both sides the entire time. And overall, it was just I think you're right. It's not worth it to belabor it. It was an awesome performance. And so now we should go to three stars. Um, so, yes, I'm happy to do three stars. No stars for this team. No honorable mention. Or talk or talk more about the game. It doesn't have to actually yeah. be three stars. But like, if you want to do three stars, now yeah. I'm good with it. I'll, I'll do I'll do three stars. Um, I think Paul. The only thing I would say I'd be interested in your thoughts is like, why did it get so chippy at the end? And yeah, is that something we should be worried about? And think about that, and I will do three stars, and then we'll come back to you. I'll do a little traffic. Sounds good. Our normal traffic cop is being um, dealing with a philandering or kind of uh, some sort of thief um that metaphor fell apart rather yeah, yeah right. i thought uh, it was, i thought you were being literal there for a moment i was trying to yes. i was thinking wow there's a lot going on in your life that we haven't even touched on um so honorable mentions go to um i will give one to von miller again the heartbeat of the team on some level not not someone who should be trifled with Obviously, just had the one sack, but I feel like he was definitely in Pickett's grill a lot on on the on the Sunday. So that was nice to see, and a good effort from AJ Epinesa as well. Why not? He had again just just one on the thing, but I feel like he was trying. I feel like this was his game day. He's like, I'm gonna play good today, and he got a sack. So that's something. Yeah, and he, he needed to shoot, a, and then he immediately got kicked out of the game. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Thanks, I mean, AJ. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder on who you really are. Yeah, maybe well, you get kicked out. That's cool. Um, and then uh, I will give, moving on to stars, I'll give the third star to uh, a pretty, yeah, Jaquan Johnson. Um, and I kind of co-curred third star to Damar Hamlin. Um, basically, again, coming in in a tough situation, we've asked a lot of them this year. I haven't talked about them too much, but really kind of finding a lot of stability on the back end. Something that would have kept the Steelers in this game would have been they were throwing the ball plenty of times and places and not not dinking and ducking, but making some fairly aggressive, aggressive throws in the midfield and and on the sidelines. And they were they were there the whole time. And obviously, um, we know that, you know, like Kyrie Elam's done a good job. Benford was doing a good job before he went out. We'll talk more about Trey White later. But these two guys grabbing a lot of stability back there, which is appreciated, obviously, with high being out. So they are rewarded with a third star. Um, second star goes to Gabe Davis, who, uh, as Paul and Frank already know, I successfully sat the first time in my fantasy league on the eve of his uh, three-catch, 171-yard, two-touchdown performance, um, which is a nice welcome back to Gabe Davis for the Bills. Again, a terrible decision by yours truly on the fantasy front, but I will live with it because I just enjoyed um, watching him get open. And obviously, I mean... 
it's tough. There's there's lots of great catches in the history of, of time. And Gabe Davis has had more than his fair share. But at the same point, the the one where he's he's basically got Fitzpatrick draped all over him, catches it kind of with one hand, tries to bring it in. Fitzpatrick is um, um, Fitzpatrick is trying to wrestle away with him. He wrestles it back in in the end zone. Uh, that is probably uh, one of the better catches that I've seen. So that that gets you a second star, and then your first star goes to uh, who was it? Oh, right, Josh Allen. Josh <laughs> Allen, twenty of thirty-one, four twenty-four, four touchdowns. Uh, did have the interception. Uh, not again. Again, not the end of the world. I think he's just doing. Maybe I feel like. Sorry, I felt like he was just doing a favor to his old buddy Levi Wallace. You know. Yeah, just helping Levi get some, get some, get a payday down the line. He already got his his mm-hmm. eight year, eight two year, eight million dollar deal. That'll set him up for the next one. Um, you know, uh, he picked on him plenty too, so he just felt like he had to give him <laughs> one back. And then had five carries for forty two yards as well. Uh, what was it? Um, the best half a Bills quarterback has ever played. Best regulation yardage. Yes. Yes. Best regu- regulation yardage in a Bills game by a Bills mm-hmm. quarterback. Yep. Um, so, so uh, you get a record-setting day like that, you get you get a you get a first time. So uh, those are your three stars. And then I was going to throw it over to Paul to discuss uh, why did this game get chippy? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Should we be worried about this, or is this just going to happen as we play more garbage teams? Like this? I'm not. Uh, since, uh, Paul's on. Is, is your I'm, name Paul? I don't think. I'm, I'm <laughs> Look, I have a quiet minute when this child is eating goldfish crackers. Her mother's almost home. Um, so, if I may, I would say I'm not too worried about it being chippy. I think, for me, as a, a Steelers, as a as a Steelers fan, if I were one, is what I'm trying to say. If I were a Steelers fan, there we go. Um, I would understand the first hit, uh, really both hits, like being angry on on picket um you know lawson goes low i think that by the letter of the law is not pass interference or, or roughing the passer excuse me um because he's outside the tackle box and i get it you know and i'm totally okay with kenny pickett standing up and shoving you know Shaq lawson back i felt like all right that's he earned that one and the other one was kind of a soft call too but also you know like it's like against the Ravens the week before they were complaining that Allen was turning around to the referee and saying, am I going to get a roughing call? And it's like, I don't know. Tom Brady perfected that. He Tom Brady changed the game of quarterback in so many different ways. And that was one of them. And we should keep doing that until they don't call it is what I think. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to, you're going to miss it. Sometimes you're going to get it. Uh, and I think it just got chippy because they were getting their ass handed to them. And probably a couple of those hits, felt gratuitous but i kind of blame tomlin he's already conceded the game as i said before he's kicking field goals at the end of the first half down 24 if you don't want kenny pickett to get hurt pull him out or block better or call a better play or do a million fucking things but i don't know like don't get mad at me because if you want to keep playing this is how we play this is how josh allen plays josh allen throws the ball and, and it takes off on quarterbacks uh, runs in the fourth quarter. That's who this team is. This team, if you don't, until you directly give up, they're just going to keep the, the the pedal down because it's fun to play football. And so, you know, I think that's kind of the Steelers' problem, not not the Bills' problem. Yeah, I think Frank's got got some of it with the the Steelers being 
you know, down so heavily. I think they were just in a naturally chippy mood, and Pickett did take a couple of hits, and the one by Lawson was not a, you know, it wasn't a dirty hit at all, but it's why it was an avoidable one, and I see why that elevated the way it did. I'm not worried about the larger trend simply because when I look at a lot of what was happening with the chippiness, a lot of it happened with, you know, a, the younger members of the team playing in garbage time, trying to make an impact. The, the DeMar Hamlin one, he's like, all right, I'm going to try and stop this quarterback dead in his tracks. Oh, he's sliding. Oh, I've hit him. And they ended up not even calling a penalty there because it was not a, a dirty at all hit. Should have been a penalty still because it was late and he was clearly sliding. But Hamlin led up and, and of course, Pickett's his former teammate for, I think, three seasons uh, at Pitt back in the day. So I don't think he had any intent. Shaq has always been a player who lived on the edge, you know, his, his whole career. So that's not surprising to see that happen. Uh, Epinesa is a little disappointing getting in the fray because as Scott knows he's getting significant, he got significant snaps after being a little bit lower on the snap count the last two weeks. He made a, a pretty decent impact while he was in there. So yeah, try and stay above the fray when you're when you're in that. I would be more concerned if this were guys like Deion Dawkins and Josh Allen on the offensive side, Mitch Morse, veterans who seem to stay out of these, or guys on the defense like uh, like Von Miller, like Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds. They don't seem to get involved in any of this nonsense. So uh, and Daquan Jones, another good example. So with that being the case, I'm not worried in the in the long term, if they beat teams 38 to three every week, it could become a problem that our young players keep getting sucked into this. But I'm hopeful it's just symptomatic of the game situation and some young guys trying to make an impact any way they can. I will just briefly conclude by saying, like, I get, I get Frank's point on the, the fundamental of the games. But, like, the thing that concerns me is, especially if it's our guys who are staying involved, getting in their quarterback's faces, like, Allen's got to come. Allen has to come because you cannot put him in a position where they feel like their quarterback got a shot taken. So then it's open season on Allen. Right. They late after the whistle, whatever it is, can't put Allen out there again if things are getting out of hand. The game's yeah. And it was pretty close to that line on Sunday. And that's what I was most worried about is it doesn't take much for some seventh round guy on the Steelers who's just running out the game. You know, he knows can he pick it from college or whatever? It's like, I'm not going to fuck around with him. And I got three inches and 50 pounds on Josh Allen. So I'm going to, I'm going to wreck him and you know, whatever it's fair is fair, motherfucker. And then, and then mm. Allen's got a concussion or a, or a broken leg. Like it, it's, it, it, it happens. Like I, I want to say it's, 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 yeah. can't, I'm not saying it's a high probability, but just, there's no reason. It's a long season. Um, we got bigger fish to fry. Let's not, Let's if things are getting chippy, let's 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 just let's take our precautions. Doesn't mean lose the game, but we weren't losing this game after about last time. So. There was I, I did notice that like I think it was Demar Hamlin posted a video of him like going over to say hi to Kenny Pickett and he had like some Pittsburgh shirt on, you know, like because they were involved in, in part of that. And uh, they went to the same school, I guess. I, I think that's the the right answer. So like it, it could be one of those things where like in the moment, it seems a lot worse than it actually is. You know, there's sure. also I, I think the next one to worry about, though, I think when they replay Miami, I think that that's going to be a really this week, too, against the Chiefs when they play Miami, though. But I, I think that might get kind of ugly between Mr. Dick Grabber and some of the other <laughs> stuff that happened uh, and the fact that, like, you know, 
the, the division could be getting contested, you know, depending on on if Miami can keep up. But we'll we'll keep that in mind. We should um we should go over to the next thing on the list, which I can flip over to on my awesome new phone. Oh, yes, we mentioned the, the passing yard records already. Josh Allen, also the AFC Offensive Player of the Week and the FedEx Air Player of the Week. Um, around the NFL, the Jets blew out Miami. That was fun yeah. to watch. Uh, and Kansas City escapes the Raiders 30-29. to 29. I, I, I did not stay up for that game. Scott or Paul, did you either of you guys kind of partake in, in that game uh, at all? Yeah, that was that was entertaining. That was one of the Raiders that they were in position to win several times, even at the end, even after it looked like they'd blown all the opportunities to win. They had a big fourth down stop and they come back. And it was kind of funny, the result of that game, seeing that, oh, the spread for the Bills Chiefs has actually gone even more in favor of the Bills now because Kansas City didn't put on a great performance at home. I will say I try not to pull trends from individual games because you can't you can't really tell from an individual game. You know, some games are just outliers, but it did make me happy to look at that and think, oh, you know, the Chiefs defense has a, they still have a lot of susceptibility issues there. And the Bills defense, I don't think they have nearly as many susceptibility issues, assuming the injuries, which we'll talk about later, end up being, you know, advantageous for the Bills. I did not watch the game. I will just say this, this smells a little bit like, um, again, you know, longtime rivals, one with nothing to play for, one with everything to play for. And maybe the Chiefs were looking ahead to the Bills game, maybe whatever. And, and you know, the, again, like a old school, like I've been saying, in the division, you get for a tough rival sometimes, you get one, one free one and then one that you're going to have to work for. And maybe it's a close win, maybe it's a close loss. But maybe this was their one where Las Vegas has a decent shot at them and they, they missed at the end. And so Casey just keeps, you know, they still won. So they get to move on. I, I don't think I'm going to draw the conclusions from this game. Well, I'll, I'll say that I watched a little of Jets, Jets Miami. Um, and that game definitely, you can see that like Tua makes them a competent team um, because without, Without him, and then even with Bridgewater, they wasn't very good. And I forget who the guy is now, like, but he looks like he's going to start again this week because Tua looks like he's he's resuming practice, but they had already kind of ruled him out for the game on Sunday. Um, so there's a chance, for, you know, for the Bills to really – it's a tough week. you got to beat the Chiefs, but a, a bonus because, of course, the, the primary objective might be beat the Chiefs and get the head-to-head over them, but, you know, also – you might be able to put just that much more distance between you and Miami. Um, I would like, I'm excited to excited in a weird way to keep an eye on the jets who, yeah. who have played well for a, a team called the jets. They, they are playing well. Um, I can't so, tell you the last time I was legitimately excited for a bills jets game. That wasn't like a season opener to see how the thing would go. But right. Like, hey, here we are. This could be a good scrappy game between a, uh, one of the NFL's best teams and a potentially up and coming younger team. Yeah, the Jets look like they could win, you know, seven games, maybe six or seven games or, you know, not trying to limit them. But um, they certainly don't look like basement dwellers. I think that will probably fall to New England, which. Um, Although then they, they took on the league's allegedly top offense and shut them out 29 to nothing. So things are good for New England this week, too. Well, we'll see. We will see what comes comes of the continuation of these football games. Um, yes, they have Zappy Bailey. That's right. I forgot. 
And then we had to have a quarterback controversy questions about whether him or Mac Jones is going to start and whether Zappy Bailey is the next Tom Brady. We'll have to find out. I'm curious. Um, is it is it Zappy? Is that how we pronounce it? I haven't heard it. I think I'm that's probably right, it, right? Well, it could be Zap. Zap I or, might Z- call or Z- Zappy, but probably. We could yeah. call him Zippy. We could just call him Zippy. Um, I think it should be Zappy Bailey because that's a little more sing-songy. But yes. who knows? Good call. Um, I should be making fun of him because he'll turn into the next Brady if I do. So. Yeah, we don't have a lot of English words that have the double letter and then end immediately with the vowel. That's not like a um, that's not a common thing. Uh, the double letter was there to tell you what to do with the vowel with the rest of the word. But anyway, this is not the History of English podcast, which is actually an excellent podcast. This is the Buffalo Bills, maybe next year podcast. So we're going to talk about Micah Hyde. Uh, having surgery to recover uh, is recovering now from surgery on a herniated disc. That is a six to nine month recovery, which places him squarely uh, available next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to keep an eye on his contract and stuff. Cause I think if I, it was either, I don't think this was the last year, but I think next year, like the money balloons and it's like a weird deal. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that, but he at least is recovering and should be able to practice with the team soon. Uh, out for this week, for the first time we have to mention it, Trey White, who has been practicing with his red non-contact jersey, I believe, but is very fast and running around and dancing on the field. He has been ruled out for this game. The uh, 21-day countdown started from Tuesday when he first showed up to practice. Um, but he he doesn't get an injury designation because, as I confirmed with my ESPN source, a.k.a. I tweeted Elena Getzenberg, uh, and she was kind enough to respond that um, uh, you don't get a designation when you're on the pup because she, he's technically not on the roster yet. So they don't have to disclose whether they felt like he was full or limited or whatever. Um, we have uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Jake Kumarau and Taiwan Jones did not practice. Neither one of them. They probably will both still be out against the the, the Chiefs. On a limited basis, you had Jordan Poyer and Christian Beneford both practicing red non-contact jerseys. Christian Beneford's hand is very taped up from the reports. Uh, and then you have Trey Edmonds, uh, Dawson Knox, Jordan Phillips, and Cam Lewis, all limited but practicing kind of in the white in the white jerseys, um, you know, kind of out there, you know, getting bumped and all that good stuff. Then full uh, the uh, the full participants this week were uh, Ed Oliver. Daquan Jones and uh, Mitch Morse, as well as Isaiah McKenzie, um, who would likely come out of concussion protocol this week. So you get those four guys back. Um, oh, and, and Kyrie, excuse me, also um, uh, back to being a full participant. So you get some defensive depth. You get some um, you get McKenzie back. Uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a big passing day. So that's good. And probably a handful of guys, at least from the limited list. The bills are healthing up, which is really good. Um, any any thoughts on on that, Scott? On do you think it's a good thing the bills are healthier than they were before? <laughs> Asking the tough questions here at B Bills M and Y. What a great question, Frank. I am in favor of the bills having less people injured than more people. I think that improves their chances of winning. Paul, do you have any thoughts? I. I have no thoughts on that, but Frank did raise something very interesting accidentally there 
which I will mention because I wanted to check out Micah Hyde's contract when he said that. So here's the good news about Hyde's contract. It isn't really that uh, cumbersome should the Bills need to get out of it. He's got uh, his cap number for 2023 <coughs> next year. It does go up from $5.6 million to $10.8 million. $7.0, million would be dead money. About $4 million would be cap savings if they choose to release him. What I did not realize is then after next year, that contract voids and the Bills will have Micah Hyde on the uh, salary cap for three more seasons. They have three void years on this deal. So Micah Hyde will count $3.4 million, $2.3 million, and $1.1 million against the Bills' salary cap in 24, 25, and 26. So that is that is some Washington Nationals bullshit right there. That is like Max Scherzer <laughs> just hasn't played for the team in a few years, but you know what? We're going to keep paying the guy. So... It's funny, we call being a cap wizard. I wonder if we're going to feel that way in like four or five seasons. So that's the one thing that Frank had brought up that I wanted to comment on, uh, other than the healthier is good portion of it. Flex fly forever. That's what I have to say. Um, <laughs> I'm not complaining. Um, yes. Uh, you know what we don't have in here is the, the Christian McCaffrey OBJ talk. I thought about trade. Uh, yeah, the OBJ. Yeah, we should do that. Oh, and Because I think trade preview that sort of stuff yeah I, I mean i guess christian mccaffrey i looked at his contract and he might be available for carolina he has he's owed like a little over half a million dollars it might be like seven hundred thousand dollars this year and the remainder of his contract is completely voidable like or not voidable it's like you can, you can just get out of it leave there's no dead cap problem for the team that signs him carolina's already on the books with him um so you could you could add Christian McCaffrey as a short-term rental for, I don't know, maybe a second round pick for a guy you're going to have for a few months. You know, maybe something that, that goes from third to a second, if you sign him long-term um, it could, you know, a pen potentially help the, the, the running game that a lot of people are very concerned about. Um, I don't know how concerned I am about it, but okay. Um, and then there's the OBJ talk where Von Miller is like, yeah, no, it's a done deal. He's coming to Buffalo, and OBJ is like, I don't know what he's talking about necessarily. And there's a lot of confusion. But that, of course, has been out there for a while that maybe he'd be available as a wide receiver. So I had asked Paul this, and I can ask Scott this too, and then we'll get to some listener questions. Um, but I'll, I'll ask Paul first. If you if sure. you could have one, if you because you've had a little longer to think about it, if you could have one, would you prefer Christian McCaffrey added to the team or OBJ added to the team? I would. Barkley? Saquon Barkley is what, what Scott has gone with here for his answer. Um, way, to, way to ignore the premise of the question, Scott. Right. So I will, Saquon's an interesting question, but I will stick with the premise. I'm going to go with McCaffrey, and to me it would be an obvious answer if it weren't for what Frank just noted. You can get OBJ for without surrendering any assets. Um, you know, whereas McCaffrey, you're going to have to surrender assets, yeah, maybe even a second round uh, pick potentially for it. And the Bills are in a situation, as we've discussed with the cap, where the cap's going to be mighty tight as Josh Allen's salary explodes uh, next year. And other salaries are going to go on the books. So they're going to be up against it. And so that's kind of where you depend on your uh, your younger players and your rookies to be able to replenish the, the pot, so to speak, and to get in some good young players to take the place of the veterans who you can no longer afford. But even with that being the case, I mean, you put McCaffrey in that backfield, he is a pass catcher, he is a runner, he brings all sorts of dimensions to the game, he's 
younger. Um, yes, he has injury concerns, but I would say they are lesser than OBJ's, OBJ's concerns, excuse me, a wide receiver coming off the injury he is coming off at his age is probably going to be significantly slowed. So because of those factors, I would probably trade for McCaffrey, maybe try and figure out a way to recoup that draft pick at some other point, uh, because I think draft picks are going to be increasingly valuable to this club, especially the early round picks, uh, which sounds obvious. But uh, when you're in a situation where you are going to be losing some talent because you can't afford them, you need those early round picks. So my vote is for McCaffrey. Okay, Scott, feel free to talk me, explain the, the Saquon Barkley situation as well if you'd like to if you'd like to well, go with Saquon Barkley so I mean the so the, it's interesting because I don't think either one of these is going to happen I'm just reading um, sure reading Barnwell's Barnwell's column today and he kind of makes compelling cases that like look the Giants are four and one if they started this season one and four sure at that point they're looking to deal Barkley to someone uh who's again on the last year of his deal um obviously the Giants would be in rebuilding at this point however that's obviously not happened Brian Dougal is would just beat the Packers in London on Sunday. And, you know, they're four and one and have every no reason to trade basically the centerpiece of their offense at this point. So uh that seems unlikely. McCaffrey, you can make the argument that the Panthers are certainly less good. Um, but at the same time, uh McCaffrey is such a big part of of Carolina, you know, a lot of money tied up there. Um it, it doesn't make sense. That said, if it was me, I would feel more comfortable with Barkley. I just think he's got more tread on the tire. I know he's had injury concerns too, but both him and McCaffrey have, and at least Barkley's younger. Um, I know, I think McCaffrey still has some years on him, and you're not thinking about a long-term deal per se with these guys, um, but if you were going to have a long-term deal with one of them, you'd rather have it with Barkley. And I think, um, I just think it's, I think it's, it's a better, a better fit on some level. Um, I think McCaffrey, I think they both can catch passes. They're both good runners inside and outside. Um, so I, I think, I think Barkley is just a little younger. And like, so that's what I'll say. All right. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I sort of, you know, McCaffrey sort of duplicates what you eventually want James Cook to do. I think obviously, you know, I think if you could get him for a second round pick and, and of course he's a gamble. Um, you know, but like, you know, if, if you can get a, for a single asset, I think that's reasonable. I, I under, I hear Paul completely when he talks about the big contract money and exploding and talents leaving. I think one of the things that's, that, that Bean has done though, he does have young talent under contract, you know, like he has, he has a plethora of guys like, you know, Groot and, 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 and to lesser extent guys like Basham and maybe even Epinesa or at Oliver, or you, some of these guys are not going to necessarily be coming necessarily needing to be paid tomorrow. Christian Benneford looks pretty good so far, uh, provided his hand gets better. So like, I yeah, think there Matthias is Matthias Samuelson, seven years, 30 million. That's a good deal. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. No, yeah. Sabres wrong, wrong yeah. Buffalo team. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, they, they're getting a little crazy over there. They hand out two, <laughs> yeah. two contracts and, uh, and you, you played 50 some NHL games. Here's seven years, 30 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Hey, Hey coach, you've done nothing but finish last for us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, power to him. I'm sure he'll be great, but this is not a Sabres podcast. Okay. Um, anyway, all I was saying was like, to me, like, if you feel like he's the piece that puts you over the edge, I think that with some of the young talent that's available now, 
Um, and, and you know, and and honestly, the difference between him and the Ram, the Bills and the Rams, which is where a lot of the fear of cratering comes from, is you know Matt Stafford is not Josh Allen. So Josh Allen is is the big balloon of the contract, but he's also the answer for a lot of the problems. <laughs> you know, like he he's just going to be like, yep, he sort of equalizes it. You know, he's sort of going to be worth this money. It looks like, yeah. um, knock on wood. So we'll have to, yeah, as as Scott points out, none of this will happen because it's it's football, not hockey. And even when trades do happen, it's kind of like you know weirdly nonsensical and all that. So. You know, I doubt it'll happen, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it and let you know if they do it. Um, I'm sad that nobody picked Odell Beckham Jr. I think that's probably because we all feel like the passing game is excellent at this point, and I'm sure he'd make it the tiniest bit more excellent. But I wonder if you're not investing in the wrong part of your team yep. in that way. That it's just like you know, two percent better uh, as opposed to you know a run game that. You know, even I will admit, like, if you're going to have a guy, like, it'd be better to have the more consistent guy. Um, anyway. Right. And, and the fact, again, McCaffrey, two dimension, he's had a thousand yard receiving season in there uh, right. as well in recent years. So he can add to that you know. passing game while giving you a running game, which they don't really have right now. Yes. Uh, listener questions to MNY Bills this week. Mark t- says, I met. Coy Wire's dad and girlfriend once at Russ Salvatore's Bills Dolphins party down in Miami in 2005. That is all I have this week. So thank you for that, Mark. Right, which is a take um, on the fact that I said to sneak in your questions under the Coy Wire. So I'm glad, glad you got to meet Coy. He's still, I see him all that. We still follow him on Twitter. He's he's doing his thing for CBS, ABC. I don't know. He's 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 a broadcaster he's breaking now. news. Yeah. Micah. Says, with the emergence of Shakir, should the Bills still pursue OBJ, assuming he'll be healthy prior to the playoffs? I think we kind of discussed that. I suppose we could talk about him a bit more. I mean, if they go for him, it's all going to be about whether they win the Super Bowl this year or not. Whatever happens. So if they go for him and they win, great. It was a good choice. If they go for him and they don't, uh, my guess is he didn't make or break the team. Um, I I don't I'm not trying to say he's like a bad wide receiver. I mean, he seems like a great wide receiver. I'm not worried about him as like a locker room presence or any of that. I'm just looking at it and saying Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and to a lesser extent, any of the guys that you throw in the middle all seem great. And so, like, I, I already don't think that teams can keep up with the Bills offense, to be honest. So and and the passing game in particular. So. I think that's I think that the Bills benefit OBJ more than OBJ benefits the Bills. And I, I'll leave it there. And if they get him, I'm, I'll welcome him with warm arms and I'm happy to have him on the team. But does anybody else have any final thoughts on on? I, I don't put that at the feet of Shakir. I, I, I just look at it like Josh Allen makes the team go. So uh, the people are going to catch the ball and it doesn't have to be um, Odell Beckham. That's what I, mean, I mean. My, my Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. I don't understand like this team's affection for kind of older wide receivers. I didn't understand it with Sanders. I don't understand it with Crowder. I, if they sign Beckham, I will. I will assume that's their latest thing. He's obviously not kind of the steady presence that Sanders and Crowder are presumed to be. Just under the theory that he might be more emotional. But at the same time, I, I don't feel like like. We don't need like a veteran in this locker room. Like honestly, we need more Shakirs. Like we need the next generation under the theory that it's going to be increasingly in our card to keep Davis and Diggs and 
Diggs is already under contract uh, for a while. Yeah, they're set with Diggs through Diggs through 2026. I think they have him signed. So Diggs is a is the here for his career probably. Yeah, yeah, but but Davis is obviously a huge going to be going to get a massive payday if he wants one from any number of teams that would be willing to pay for functionally what's he's basically a number one receiver. Yeah. Um, so, so getting a getting an older guy who next year or two years from now when Davis is gone, we need to step up in his absence. Getting an older guy doesn't make sense. In some ways, you want to groom Shakir that you know whether he's going to take that role or he's going to take uh, McKenzie's slot role in two or three years when McKenzie's done. Either one of those is a better option than than taking back up. So let's get him the snaps now and get him acclimated. Figure out if he's going to worth it or not. If he's if he is great, if not. We'll go back to the draft and draft another 50 under and hope we get like the Hodges The final question comes from Akechi Mitsuhide uh, with the Samurai Jack uh, profile picture. Is this game against the Chiefs important or is it bragging rights? Yes, it's an AFC game and tiebreaker, but that didn't matter last year. Put another way, how many would rather win knowing that a rematch will be in Kansas City regardless versus lose with the assurance the rematch is in Buffalo? I think that's an interesting question. Um, so lose now and get yourself the home game later. That seems that seems to be well, I think I think you're honor bound to pick that because the point of winning this game is to maximize the chances that you will be playing at right. home in January. So I don't mean to, to to pick apart your question too much. It's a bit of a false equivalency in in that like, you know, the game didn't matter last year. Well, it did until they lost the game in Jacksonville. You know, like it wasn't that that game didn't matter. It was that all the games, mate, all games matter. I think someone should turn that into a slogan, um, you know, <laughs> and just put it on T-shirts, you know, uh, not just the Chiefs game. No, that's terrible. Don't do that. Um, no, but all the games do, in fact, matter. And so so, you, you know, they they, they um, that it wasn't so much that they they beat the Chiefs and that didn't help them it did help them it's just that they didn't help themselves in the other in the other ways um but if you could assure me that the bills would be playing home at home against the chiefs i would assume that that makes them the one or two seed and i would take that i would take that assurance versus having to go to kansas city again um but you know i think i think it's a fair question i think that you can only personally you know try and win the game that's in front of you and that's kind of what they're very good at doing yep any Frank, differing thoughts on this i can say you hit everything perfectly there i will give the small addition that the reason this game becomes so important in terms of that tiebreaker is because i we don't see a real challenge for the bills division you know we could be wrong maybe the dolphins are for real maybe the jets are less you know are more than just scrappy and very talented and maybe the pats make a run unlikely things i think we all agree so we expect the Bills to take the division. And then you look at who the champions are going to be of the North and the uh, the South. North, you're probably looking at probably looking at the Ravens. Maybe, maybe it gets to be the Bengals who the Bills have a head-to-head against, but I don't know about that. But the point is the Bills will probably have a head-to-head advantage against the Ravens as long as they have the same record. They, I don't know who's going to win the South, probably Tennessee, I would think, but the Bills already destroyed them head to head. So they're unlikely to win a lot of tiebreakers unless they have a better record. So really you win the division. It's, you're going to be a one seed or a two seed and a two seed is pretty pointless. No offense to the fact that they were a two seed a couple of years ago, but you really need that one seed in that buy. So 
yeah, this game is it is important. But yes, we would take the assurance if they lose, and it comes with the assurance for rematch in Buffalo. We would take that, which Frank is pointing guess, out is, you know, questionable. I mean, I think, I think, I guess I would say I'm not definitely going to take the alternative point, but I think there's a fair argument to at least make the case that it is. I think the, the argument would be: Are you more likely to beat a team twice than win in their win? in their build. I think the argument would be if you lose at, if you lost in the regular season, whatever flaws you have game plan matchup wise have been exposed um, and led to your ultimate defeat in that game. And therefore you now know exactly what it is that you need to do, or at least you have a series of things that you need to focus on, game plan around, match up, personnel, whatever, to fix that. Whereas if you win, well, sure, you can go to the film room on Monday and say, boy, when we, if we have to play them in the playoffs again, we're going to um, we're gonna have to get this figured out. Um, I guess on some level, I would say uh, it, it's an interesting it, – I don't know that you're going to taste it the same way. So in this case, I you know obviously the way I like the question that. was phrased, the way the question was phrased, you'd rather take the loss and the home field because that's the best of both worlds. But I guess if there's a world in which those two things are entirely de- decoupled, I might be arguing for if I was going to pick whether the bill whether I wanted the Bills to win or lose this game. It's an interesting kind of idea. Obviously, on some of them that might be other games. But, that might be but, like but, a yeah. I was gonna say that might be like a you know, a, like the Rams game, like, would you have preferred they lost the Rams game on the premise that they might see them again in the Super Bowl? And at least then you'd say, now we know why we lost the Super, the first game. We've made these adjustments throughout the year because we're responding to <clears throat> this change. And I think that I think that's an interesting philosophical question, Scott, because then with with a Super Bowl matchup, you're not worried about home field it, it sort of decouples some of the bigger pieces as you're not worried about home field advantage you're not yeah. worried about a division or a conference tiebreaker you know you're you're just it's a game and you don't want to lose it but you you've sort of yeah. you know like that tampa game yeah. last year where it's like okay 100%. the tampa game they didn't finish off but they seem to have like that seemed to be the spark game where they started playing better after the tampa game I will. Yeah. It's an interesting I, question, but I think given that we can't know how this game is going to play out, obviously you have to play. And I will point out. Uh, I will. I just want to point out to go against uh, Scott's assertion here. Last year's AFC Championship game was the uh, Bengals beating the Chiefs. Those teams had played <laughs> earlier in the season, and the Bengals had won that game as well. 2020, it was the Bills and the Chiefs. They had played during the they season. Lost two in a row. The Chiefs won that as well. So it's happened the last two years that the AFC champion has had to beat, has had to twice beat the team that that's more uh, directly that, responding to a catchy. I think that's more to his question. Like it didn't, yeah. well, maybe it didn't matter for the bills. It seemed like, but it, it mattered for the other, the other right. time. So, so okay. I think if you're, my point is if you're a better team, you can win two games against the, the same team twice in a year. Well, it is time to do this day in bills headlines and then speak about the uh, road dog, Kansas city chiefs. Uh, so well, or sorry, the, the, the home dogs, the home dog, Kansas City Chiefs and the the road warrior Buffalo Bills. But first, let's 
take a stroll through memory lane. Right. This is uh, it is October 13th, Thursday, the 13th, if that were any sort of uh, meaning. Yes. Uh, I just took a quiz on all the lyrics to Werewolves of London. I did not do as well as I expected, but that's a discussion mm. for another day. All right. 2021. I think you're going to get this one. Blank continues to impress in rookie season. Blank played his best game yet in the Bills' victory in Kansas City. He was in on five tackles, including two excellent plays where he moved down the line toward the sideline while engaged with a blocker and was able to shed and take down the ball carrier. He had a sack of Patrick Mahomes, and then he made one of the plays of the night, his interceptions of Mahomes at the Buffalo 8, to make certain Chiefs to take certain Chiefs points off the board late in the third quarter. Levi Wallace? It's not Levi Wallace. Any guesses, Scott? Bill's rookie last Mono? year. No, rookie no, no, 2021. Rookie. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I missed the word rookie, so I wouldn't have said Levi Wallace. Yeah. Okay. So so you had Groot and Basham. Yep. yep. You got it okay, with I'll Groot. Say Groot. Yeah, he had that okay. rubber. It was Greg Rousseau. He had that <laughs> oh, leaping. Yeah. He like right. one handed that ball and then came yes, down with that's it. Right. Yeah. That's right. All right. That was the lightning game. That was like, yeah. Yeah, the game that went until about 1 a.m. because of the delay. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, 2020. Why Bills moving blank to left guard might be perfect fit. Bills are committed to playing their five best offensive linemen. Blank remains one of them. And after the 2019 draft pick struggled at right tackles rookie and filled in at right guard early this season, he's been moved to left guard because the alternative is the bench. What was that, Scott? Was it 2020, you said? 2020, correct. So, so you're looking at a second-year player in 2020 who's been moved around the line. Deion Dawkins? Is that before he found his landing spot? No, no, no he was at left tackle by then. Okay. Uh, but it still would have been Morris at center. Still Morris at center. So you got Morris at center. You got Dawkins Spencer at Brown? Spencer Brown. Spencer was, I think Spencer was a rookie last year, right? So this would be a 2020 guy. Uh, 2019 draft pick, so a second-year player. Okay. Oh, is it Cody Ford? Yes, it is Cody Ford. Scott, we, how soon we forget, he was a starting right tackle for the Bills most of the 2019 season. He split a bit with Ty and Secchi, who was hurt. And then 2020, like, we'll try you a guard, and that didn't really work. In 2021, he was... Well, the beginning of the end. Now he's in Arizona. Good luck, Cody. Biocondios. Yes. All right. 2019, why Bill's blank keeps running and running and running. Looking back now, it's easy to see what the Bills saw in him. While others saw an aging running back with miles on his body, Bill saw a character guy who could be a role model for others in the way that he carried himself on and off the field. What year? 2019. Well, I, I hesitate to say LaShawn McCoy because I felt like his and his. Right. This his, was this was the end of Shady. He was cut before yeah. right before the 2019 season. This would have been the last Fred Jackson year. No, Fred was long gone by now because Fred was yeah, gone before Shady gone. was here. This has got to be like aging Carolina running back or something that they brought over. Is this is this another Patrick, another way to get Patrick DeMarco as an answer? This, if only if only Frank. <laughs> It is a one year. Frank is right. End of career guy. One year back. However, definitely much more. Frank Gore. Frank, Frank Gore. Gore. There we go. There the NFL's third all time right. leading rusher behind Emmett Smith and Walter. Payton. Right. Because he's like Josh Allen's favorite player. Somebody's favorite player might have been Josh Allen. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. 
great. He had, he was, he was solid that year. So we, we yes. miss you, Frank. Um, all right. 20. We miss you, Frank uh, L as well. Frank Gore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I just saw you. <laughs> I know. Down. We just finally hung out. <laughs> All right. Blank wins AFC Defensive Player of the Week award. Uh, his two interceptions came in the second half with one of those being returned for a very crucial go-ahead touchdown. The other one was an interception with two minutes left in the game, ultimately sealing the deal for the Bills. According to Pro Football Focus, Blank was targeted three times on Sunday by Case Keenum, and the cornerback did not allow a single reception. Hmm. Case Keenum. Yep. Now and Now in the locker room. Uh, so the last part of this with Blank and Zach Brown winning back-to-back Defensive Player of the Week honors. They become the first two Bills to do it since 1991 when Cornelius Bennett and Nate Odoms won the award in weeks four and five, just like this okay. year. So two interceptions, yep. targeted three times. Targeted three times, picked off two of them, allowed an incompletion on the other. Okay. This, uh, is, this, is this the legend? It is not the legend, no. This is a... Uh, this is a, I'll give, yeah, this is someone in the secondary. I will say that. Okay. Uh, definitely a name, not not an under the radar name, a name we all know. Um, okay. Darius Bird? No. I will what say year is this, this 2016. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're too late with Darius Bird, 2016, yeah. I think. 2016 is. I will hmm. give that, I'm pretty sure this guy is Bob still in Sarby? the. No, no, but good guess. He was one of the Bills' corners at this time. So, okay, so uh, Stephon Gilmore. This guy is currently a cornerback for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, right. Played <clears throat> after he left the Bills. He spent three years with the Rams and a year with the Eagles. And is probably most known to the wide-watching football public for the fact that after the... Cal Roby Coleman. Yes, I was going to make the point that... Uh, he, there's a rule that was invented largely because of the play he was involved in with the pass interference, and then pass interference was suddenly reviewable for a year. Right. The legend of Nikhil Roby Coleman. So he was a legend in that sense, just not the one Scott was thinking of. All right. Bills add linebacker blank to roster, place running back Wood on IR. I also want to know an alternative headline that said defensive end, so take your choice on his position. Um to make room on the roster for blank, the Bills placed running back Sierra Wood on injured reserve. Wood sustained a knee injury in Sunday's win at Tennessee and had to be carded to the locker room. Blank was signed by the Bills on September 11th, the same day he was suspended by the NFL for something, something, something. I don't want to say what he was suspended for because it'll give it away immediately. Anthony Hargrove? Nope, nope. He so was that, suspended. He was suspended, yeah. That was I think seven or eight years earlier with his Rochester club antics. Yes. We all get out of hand in our Rochester clubs. Very exciting city, Rochester. Um, hmm. I can give the first? yeah to give the hint. Okay, I'll, I'll say why he was suspended. Now you guys are going to get it. I think pretty much immediately suspended by the NFL for the first four games of the season, stemming from the incident in which he punched and broke the jaw of a former teammate. Oh, Richie Incognito. No, no, not Richie. No, no. Oh, I Campanali. I Campanali. There we go. <laughs> it's a Scott. Scott gets it. I, okay, I okay. Get it. Scott say it first. Good job, Scott. All right. 2014. Blank ends long drought for Bills tight ends. During the last 22 seasons, the Buffalo Bills have had a player gain at least 100 yards receiving 99 times. The list includes all the stars <laughs> and a few names you might have forgotten. Tim Tyndale managed to do it. So did Russell Martin. 
but exactly zero Bills tight ends have cracked the century mark since Pete Metzler's in September 1992, a staggering factoid. Blank finally ended the drought Sunday, uh, but it certainly wasn't enough to beat the New England Patriots in Ralph Wilson Stadium. Blank caught six passes for a game-high 105 yards, and each of his first five receptions went for a first down. But Bills still got just destroyed in this game. Is this Robert Royal, maybe? Yeah, this is post-Royal, which sounds Chandler. like a band. After Royal. What's that, Scott? Chandler. Chandler, very good. Scott Chandler. Hey. You'll be glad to know after a 22-year drought, they had a two-year drought before Charles Clay did it, then another two-year drought before Clay did it again, and Dawson Knox then did it two years later. So they, they seem to be doing better at getting tight ends 100-yard games. Getting a little more regular there, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, 2012. Bills blank getting the start at strong side linebacker Sunday. Uh, the coaches pretty much told me on Monday, the rookie linebacker said Friday, got an opportunity to start. Just got to take it from here and hopefully I can lock the position down and keep it. Blanks on increase in reps at strong side linebacker in place of Arthur Motes against San Francisco. He's now jumped ahead of Motes on the depth chart. Okay. Is this the legend? It is not the legend, but he was, okay. uh, he was a Bills linebacker in this era, so in this uh, this year, so yeah, you're you're on the right path. Uh, okay. Guy who spent four seasons with the Bills from 2012 to 2015. He played in 57 games with 38 starts. His best Bills season was 2014. 104 tackles, two and a half sacks, a pick, and seven passes defended. Hmm. Left in free. Brown. What was that, Scott? Zach Brown. Not Zach Brown. London uh, Fletcher. Not a bad guess either, but I think London was gone. London was probably in Washington now. at this point, yeah. I know. Uh, guy who left in free Arthur Motes? Nope, Motes was the guy that this guy replaced. Oh, right, right, okay. Um, and not not who you said, Scott. Um, this is the guy who left in yeah, agency to join the Eagles, spent four seasons there too, started in Super Bowl oh. 52, had seven mm. tackles, and the Eagles win over the Pats. Mikel Roby Coleman. <laughs> Arguably... Yeah. One of he, the most British-sounding Bills of all time. Nigel, Nigel Brady. Yeah, that's yeah. all it needed. That's all we needed. At that point, you have a one and two guess of Nigel Bradham or Mansfield Rado. Uh, those are your only two guesses that are viable at that point. All right. 2005. This will be an interesting one. I did not remember. Let's put it this way. I read the name like, oh, yeah, that guy. But it's not one that would necessarily come to my mind instantly. Let's see how you guys do. So 2005, Bill's right guard blank back after spending night in hospital. Blank returned to practice Thursday after spending Sunday night in the hospital because of an intestinal disorder that doubled him over in pain and limited his breathing, forcing him to miss Buffalo's 2014 win over Miami. Without divulging the exact nature of the condition, Blank said he is taking medication, expects to play when the Bills host the New York Jets on Sunday. Mm. This is a graduate of Nope, not Chantrell. This is a little bit before Chantrell. Maybe two years, two or three years before Demetrius Chantrell. Bell? Nope, another good gear. Guys are in the right era again. Is this, didn't somebody end up having like irritable bowel or some endocrine yeah, that type was, uh, had, yeah, that was Chantrell. Yeah, that was Chantrell. That's why right, you guys Because he had the medical okay, marijuana right. issues because he had the Crohn's disease. Right. Yeah. Crohn's disease, yes. Um, this player there, he went to the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> Play, I know, it's the stupidest yeah, name. Really. Uh, I know. Played in the 1993 Division II National Title Game, received the Jim Langer Award for Best uh, Lineman in D2 in 1996. Fifth-round pick of the Bears in 96 and started there for eight years before finishing his career as the Bills starting right guard 
for three years. Basically the reverse Ruben Brown. Uh, Tucker. No, Tucker, another good boy. You guys are, you guys are, you're calling out the interior linemen from this era very well. Here's another mm. hint that won't help. He's been the head coach of the St. Francis, Pennsylvania Red Flash football team for 13 years, which competes in the Northeast Conference of NCAA Division I FCS. Well, best of luck to you, coach, but I don't know who you are. All right, let's see if this, this name rings a bell. Or Valario, right? It's Valario! It's Chris Valario! Yes! I have never been so excited for a correct answer. My God, King! That was great. Good job. Good job, Scott. Chris Valario is correct. All right. 2004 agent bills release wide receiver blank buffalo bills made their first front office reaction to owner ralph wilson's public frustration about an offense he labeled as boring in a strange move wednesday morning the team ordered wide receiver blank to clear out his locker and wait either uh and wait either a release or trade by 1 p.m blank's agent frank bauer told the associate press that his client arrived for practice when he <coughs> was to clean out his locker and await being cut or traded Hours that the team had until 1 p.m. to trade Blank or he'd be released. Anytime a team's struggling, there's a tendency to make some changes, Bauer said, but this one catches Blank and me both by surprise. Maybe they were trying to send a message. Okay, so this is after Drew Bledsoe is quarterback. This is actually Bledsoe's I'm... last year. In fact, if I remember okay. what started this, and I'd have to read the full article, but I think there was, there was a miscommunication on a play, and this wide receiver caused an interception or didn't run his pattern in full, and that led to an interception. Okay. And so there was thinking that, hey, Josh Reed is really underperformed, but they scapegoated yeah. this guy. And it was hard because this is definitely. Yeah, this is hard because this is this is this is law school. So, like, <laughs> it's hard for me to. Yeah, I was just peerless. You know, Not peerless. peerless. No, this now he guy, left. Yeah, he had left. Yeah, he'd gone to the Falcons and he came back to the Bills, I think. Before in 06. Then. Yeah. 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 Um, this guy had he had the year before he had his career career year uh, with the Bills, 56 okay. catches, 732 yards, four touchdowns. Late round pick out of Cal by Seattle, but didn't play for them. Uh, three seasons with the Steelers, one with the Jags, and then he came to uh, Buffalo for his last couple of years. Um, even though this seemed like an odd move, the Bills obviously had made the right decision. He was picked up by the Chargers after they cut him. He played seven games uh, with the Chargers, but only had one target and no catches, and then he was out of the league. So. Obviously, the Bills did make the right decision. Mm. I most remember him, and maybe you'll remember this play. It was a Bills-Tennessee game. The Bills had come back, and they were a two-point conversion away from tying it to keep their playoff hopes alive. And Bledsoe threw to this guy in the end zone. He clearly made the catch, and then we tried to raise the ball up to show the, the refs. Yeah, he pulled the I ball up. I remember that. I thought that was against Indiana. I think that was against, I thought that was against the Colts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I that was against because that was like a loss to Billy Volick. That's kind of how I remember yeah. I thought it was against the Jaguars. Well, we've clearly fucked this game. Really <laughs> I will, I will, I will die on the Tennessee Titans hill, but someone is welcome. To All right, what's? It. I give up. Who is this guy? Because I now Bob, can see that. It is Bobby, Bobby Shaw. Bobby Shaw. Bobby Shaw. All right. Great Bobby yeah. Shaw. Yeah. All right. So I will, I will research if it's Tennessee or someone will, and then we'll get to I'm the last it. headline here. Uh, Kelly, 1989. Yeah. Kelly apologizes to teammates. Buffalo Bills QB Jim Kelly criticized for blasting offensive tackle Blank, apologized to his teammates Thursday. Kelly blamed Blank for missing a block that allowed the Bills QB to be tackled just after he released a touchdown pass in Sunday's 37-14 loss to Indianapolis, stating, it should never have happened. He should have been blocked. Watching film, I don't know what Blank was thinking. Howard Ballard. Howard Ballard. 
you guys. I was just a that lucky guess for me. Well, it worked out. Go perfect. through the line, and it worked out. Yep, you picked the the correct Bills lineman. So House Ballard ends uh, the stay in Bills headlines for October thirteenth. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. That's always so much fun. Uh, as I had mentioned, the Bills are three-point favorites going into Kansas City. Uh, I'm sure Nick Wright had something to say about that. Yeah, don't. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna. You know what? I don't care if he's trending. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near that. Uh, yeah, no. Okay, so I see a game here on December fourteenth, two thousand three, a twenty-eight twenty-six loss to Tennessee. Let's see, Mark six-yard pass from Drew Bledsoe, uh, and then it says pass fail. No, Billy Volick, one-yard rush, right, to make it 28-20. Gary Anderson kicked. And oh, I just, I, just, I just shared a link with you guys. It gives the answer in the first paragraph. There you go. Is that it? Yeah, okay. Did I find it? It was Tennessee? All right. You yes. were right. Yep. That's why we don't ever doubt Paul. <laughs> <laughs> except in a myriad of other situations. But right. In personal it, life, don't game... follow this example. But with football trivia knowledge, I, right. Bills trivia especially, I'm probably yes. going to remember. Okay, so the Bills are three-point favorites. Um, I have no analysis for you for this game because I, it's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and I think that Paul was right earlier when he said the Bills probably have the better of the defenses. I think that definitely weighs it in the Bills' favor. It's just one of those things where between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, really, like, you know, you can't rule it out. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is playing better this year for the Chiefs, too. That's an extra dimension. I, I, I mean, personally, I'm going to pick the Bills. I think that I, my only analysis is to say I root for the Bills. And in a pick game like this, I think that the Bills will win. I think that the Bills – I think that the 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 Chiefs have looked a little shakier than the Bills this year, despite both being 4-1. and one. I think the only games that – game, really, that Buffalo looked bad in was the was this heat exhaustion game with the injuries in Miami. And then kind of like a, they, they were about – they were still recovering in the first 25 minutes of the Baltimore game. But other than that, they've sort of – had their ways with football teams. Even in that close game against the Ravens, they really sort of controlled the game in the second half. So, you know, the Bills have not given up. They've only given up seven points in the second half the whole game, the whole season. Yesterday, they gave up three points in the first quarter. I mean, I think that I'm going to, I'm not saying what Paul will say, but I think that that's why I'm, if I'm going to lean, I'm going to say that the Bills have kind of have shored up what their their defensive identity is, and it's a better identity than what the Chiefs have. And the rest is just what can the offenses do. So I think that you know the Bills are on a mission. I, I, I to to Akechi's point, you know what? This isn't the ultimate game. I think if they lose this game to Kansas City, I'm not changing my outlook on the season. I think the season is the same. I think that the one seed is still well in play, and I'm just you know. It's all about January, kids. So this game is great in that it sort of I saw some projections. It like really sort of like sets the bills on the super inside track for the one seed if they win this game because they've already beaten Tennessee and there's and they've beaten Baltimore. So like they've got a they've got a good breadth of wins across the conference if they win this game. If they lose this game, there's still a lot of football left to be played. And I don't know that the. That, that anything is, is written in stone either way. So I'm going to take the Bills. I think it's going to be – I'm going to say the Bills win this one 45 to, to 40. I think they'll cover. I think I think it'll be 
I think it'll be a, a really high scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen threw for 500 yards and, um, and uh, that would be awesome too. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll go from there, but let's go to, let's go to Scott first and then we'll finish with Paul. I thought of this. I think if it seems, it seems like I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Frank Clark do not play first. He's a he's a guy. He's a Brian Cook questions. We obviously have Trey out. Boyer still limited practice. Phillips still limited practice. Game Lewis, you know, might be able to go. Other than that, like we already went through the Benford, Benford kind of, you know, again, we're going to put him out there with the cast, with the, with the, with the, uh, the club or whatever. I, I'm I'm leaning between a solid Bills win and a close win. I don't think <laughs> after all like, that. <laughs> no, like because like no, I mean I think it, it. I'm thinking through it, and and I guess that to me the point is the the thing that Mahomes is playing really well this year, and I don't want to take anything away from him. He's a great quarterback, obviously top top two, top three. Um, he's done a lot. With not a lot of support, obviously he's got Sky Moore in to kind of take over for for Tyree Kill. But to me, like Tyree Kill was a game. There was no one really in the league as good as Tyree Kill at how they used him and the problems that he posed for the Bills because we didn't. Nobody is fast enough to cover Tyree Kill. And Yes, you can you can design defenses to deal with that, but then that leaves you open to Kelsey because you have to run more zone, and he is just a zone killer. Um, and it makes everything it changes the rest. Of it. You got you know, forget if they had Nicole Hardman, we had problems with him as well in terms of speed. So with him gone now in Miami, I remember saying this in the off season. I am not concerned about that because I thought we could deal with Miami. I still think we can deal with Miami. Like we said, kind of a fluky weather thing with with Hill. I think it's a big loss for the Chiefs. I think it hurts them in this game. Combined with Von Miller now being on the Bills and that being a, again, the Bills defense last year, you can say, give me whatever stats you want. They were not prepared for what the Chiefs were bringing at them because they could not rush the passer in the kind of time frame that you need to deal with to get to Mahomes. And I think Miller has has allowed us to do that so I am much more confident that we're going to win this game. I think the injuries give me pause. So I will kind of split the difference and call it like, like I was, I was debating going for like a 10-point Bills win. So I will back it down to seven. And I will say okay. 31, Bills 38, Chiefs 31. And, I'm, and I would not be surprised if it was I. Again, this is not like a disrespect to the Chiefs thing. I just think they're a weaker team without Hill. And the Bills are a better team with Miller. And no amount of Clyde edwards alaire or anyone else is going to change it. I, yeah. I, I could be brutal. We'll see. 
Not even six full bottles of Clyde's, Clyde Edwards Hilaire would be enough. Yeah. That's, what, that's what Paul <laughs> Scott's saying. Paul, why don't you finish up and then we'll close out? Yeah, the um, again, I'm going to be the coward, and yet I'm still picking a Bills road win over Kansas City. So this is a good era to be a Bills fan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree with everything both of you said. I think the one thing that will stand out to me is you are playing the Chiefs at home with Mahomes, as always. And, you know, the Bills do have injuries in their secondary. Are they are they going to get Poyer back and Benford back? You know, and, you know, is Cam Lewis going to be able to go? You're going to have some special teams issues possibly with, if Lewis is out and with Taiwan Jones possibly being out. Um, those seem like little things. They could be big things when you're playing a team like Kansas City. That said, I initially wanted to pick the Bills 42 to 36 just for the ultimate vengeance score after the AFC mm-hmm. divisional round last year. I'm second pick a very close and exciting one point 31 to 30 win by Buffalo in this game. All right. Well, we're excited to share uh, what happens with that game next week. I'm sure you'll watch it. You'll probably watch more than I will, but we'll talk about that next <laughs> week since I don't need to bury anybody right now. Um, <laughs> but we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll definitely go over what happens in the game. We'll talk about anything else we need to. And uh, we thank you so much for listening. Until next time, my name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.